1: Just give me your, your best memory of Terrio before the home runs, before you know he sort of jumped the shark and became a diva.
0: Well, Ryan Terrio, I think, came from a very humble background. He, uh, he grew up in a small city in uh, Louisiana, and then uh, he's gone, he's, he's come to Chicago, to the big city, and I think that started, kind of started the whole thing, kind of going to his head and stuff like that, and uh, started letting his hair grow out. The
2: 0-1
3: pitch, fly ball to left, and it's deep, and Hermita's going to run! Lee scores Ryan Terriel. In the air to left, well hit. Back is Craig. What a team. What a ride.
2: The Cardinals are world champs in 2011
1: And Scooter aligns one into center field. Jackson will have to play it on a bounce. Terriel tearing around third. Here comes the throw of the slide. He's safe at home plate. And the Giants have gone ahead four to three. Hit
2: and Run with your host, Matt Spiegel.
4: Welcome back in on 670 The Score. It's Hit and Run on a Sunday morning. Your Sunday morning baseball show on The Score. And pleased to welcome in on the Alpamonte Nissan guest hotline. Alpamonte Nissan is in Melrose Park. On North Avenue, or you can find him on apnissan.com. He is the former Cub, the former Dodger, the Cardinal, the Giants. Ryan Terrio. Ryan, good morning. How are you?
3: I'm doing wonderful. How are you?
4: I'm very good. I'm very good. Thanks for coming on. So I think, I think that we just heard something from the 2012 World Series. Yeah, you're. Your career ended well. You, you did it right. You went out with two World Series-winning teams, uh, two different ones in your final two years. That's well played, sir. Maybe you wanted to play more than that, sure. But as you look back on it, that's not a bad way to finish, don't you think? No, I didn't want to play anymore.
3: <laughs> that, was <laughs> that was it. That was it. Um, no, I, uh you know, being in the right place at the right time, you know, obviously um, – having the ability to kind of choose where you go play is, is, uh, help, helps things a little bit. And then, um, you know, there toward the end, man, it, it was like you said, man, it was a storybook ending and, um, and I always wanted to kind of go out on my own terms and, and, uh, you know, I was just fortunate to be in that situation. You know, San Francisco, uh, a great run in 2012 and then St. Louis in 2011. So, um, you know, it's just a blessing, man. Honestly, uh, I was putting a couple great spots there at the end.
4: Yeah, you know, in this town, obviously, people remember you as a Cubs shortstop. You were the only uh, yeah. starting, starting shortstop for multiple Cubs playoff teams between the 1930s and then Addison Russell in 2015, 16, and 17. So it's like, mm-hmm. y- you're, 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 I mean, that, that, that's a pretty amazing thing in and of itself. Um, and, and you played for incredible managers along the way, man. That's Bochy and Tory, right? And Dusty and Piniella. And, and, and LaRusa, um, did you learn stuff from each of them, you think, as you look back?
3: Yeah, yeah I mean, and the first one was Skip Bertman, you know, probably the, the greatest college baseball manager of all time down here in Baton Rouge, LSU. So, yes. um, yeah, I did. I did, and, and I tried to stay cognizant of, of, of that. And I understood that while I was going through it, you know, honestly, how, how special it was to be able to play for those guys. Um, to take something away from each one of them or a couple things away from each one of them. And I get the question quite a bit, um, you know, how, what did you get from them and, and, and how cool was that, you know, to play for all these great managers? Or what did they all have in common and how were they different? You know, it's a, it's a talking point for sure. Um, hmm. and they were all great communicators too. And, and I'll tell you that, that's always my answer. You know, those, those guys, and they did it in different ways, obviously, but, um, but but they all communicated with their players well and, and and the players understood exactly what was asked of us to do and and um and, and therefore you saw success
4: see and that, that's interesting, so everybody had their own way of doing it um uh, but uh but 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 you understood all right well let's tell me about tony let, let let's talk about tony because we're living through tony and experiencing tony here this version of him with 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 the white sox and there's it's an odd thing because this clubhouse was really well defined as a culture and they have their leaders and everything like that and then Tony's stepping into that. It's a different thing mm-hmm. than probably you probably you found in St. Louis when you got there and Tony was defining the place and had defined the place and everybody was kind of fitting into to his image of it or at least I guess that that's sure. my assu- that's my assumption. So tell me about that dynamic when Tony as a leader or was it you guys as a clubhouse with Tony kind of Observing and uh, and letting you run it. Uh, what was it like when you were there?
3: No, no. I mean, Tony was always in charge, and there has to be a hierarchy. I believe you know. There's got to be a pecking order. Um, you know, in Chicago, you'd always kind of admired from afar, and we played those guys so much, obviously, um, and they had good players. But but there was definitely a, a you know pecking order, and, and Tony was in charge. And Tony made the decisions, and Tony. You know, he would empower guys, obviously, with Albert and, and uh, you know, you got Chris Carpenter and Yachty and, and, and uh, you know, some of those great leaders they had, Jimmy, uh, Edmonds and, and so on and so forth. But it was always understood kind of who the boss was. And, and you know, from a player standpoint, that's perfectly fine. I mean, this guy, success, you couldn't argue with it. And he wasn't asking you to do anything crazy. He just wanted you to buy in. Um and Tony's focus was always winning the last game and, and, and coming out on top and holding the trophy. So you couldn't argue with it. I think uh, stepping into that culture was pretty neat for me in 2011. Uh, you know, and you take your spot, wherever that may be on the team, and then you do what's asked of And you hope that, that the puzzle pieces all fit together and at the end of the year you can be a champion. Did you,
4: um, did you ever not like some of those managers? And You don't got to be specific. And I know you respected them, and that can be, yeah. a, different, that can be a different thing, right? Because, like, some of these guys clearly don't like Tony, but I don't think he minds. Like, I don't think he cares about that necessarily, which is probably a skill to not worry about, like, if, 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 if people like you, as long as they respect you. You know what I mean? Did you have that with any of those guys?
3: Um, I, no, I didn't. I mean – Mm-hmm. But that's, again, that, you know, that's a personal thing. I mean, I think it's kind of how you how you were, were taught as a youngster to, you know, respect the, the authority that, that's above you and all that stuff. But, you know, I, obviously everybody's different and people have their opinions and that's perfectly fine. But I'll say this, I mean, a manager's job is not to be liked. I mean, I, I, I would have to imagine he wasn't hired so everybody would love him. There's been plenty of managers that everybody loved that didn't win, you know. So um you know, there were times, man, and I'm gonna reference Skip Bertman again down at LSU because he won five national championships in nine years, um, in college baseball and, and the cra- run was amazing. But that's, that's crazy. There were times there were times where, you know, I think he would purposely try to make everybody mad at him and kinda, kinda because they needed like a common you know, foe. Uh, so they needed an enemy. You know, they needed something to play for. You know, and 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 that that happened. Absolutely happened. I don't think that's what's happening right now in Chicago, but but I've seen it happen before, where managers will do that because they feel that the team needs needs an edge.
4: Yeah, I mean it, that 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 kind of thing has been talked about with Tony. Whether he was planning to do that now or not, if it has that kind of effect, that's nothing new, right? Guy, guys, guys, guys. Guys can play with that edge going against a manager, and sometimes the manager doesn't mind, like you're talking about.
3: No, absolutely. And it takes a special manager to be that way. Somebody's got to be super confident. They had to have had success before, and they really don't, you know, they really don't care. Uh, they really don't care to be to be, you know, everybody's best friend. It, it, it's about winning, winning ballgames, winning championships, and. And look, it's not easy uh, to, to do that, especially the way baseball is is today, where everybody's so good and there's so much information, and and um, so you, you got to be different, and you have to buck the system a little bit. Uh, and so, yeah, man, I I think what, what's what's happening now, and, and I've been following it pretty closely, because I'm a, I, I, I love the makeup of the swing Tuck. And this is going back a couple years I and mean, they're fun to watch it's an exciting group there's young talent all over the place um you know and so I always felt like you know once they made a change and get the right guy in uh which you kind of saw the writing on the wall there you know that, that it was going to be one of those teams that could make a run you know for not only one year but for a while because you've got a lot of young talent and um, you know, a lot of times those guys just need – they need to be shown how to win um, championships. And it's not uncomfortable and, and it's not about the individual as much as it is about the team. And that kind of that is different than, than today's game where, you know, a lot of these individual things are being encouraged, which is fine. And, and I think it's good for the game where you're getting more engagement, more interaction. Um, you know, fans are kind of gravitating to a lot of that stuff, but does that win championships? You know, and what's the goal? You know, and the, and the fans of the fans of the White Sox, you know, crushing Tony, you know, do you wanna do you wanna finish second in the division and, and, and lose in the second round of the playoffs or do you wanna win and and, and, and be uh, watching a parade on Michigan Avenue is the question that you gotta ask yourself. And so you gotta let the thing play out, kinda see what happens and see see where it cut where it goes.
4: Yeah, you know, I, I I look I I've had my moments of crushing Tony. Um that that's for sure and and a lot of the, lot of the fans have. Just cuz we've I, I look I've seen this team. I think this team was ready to do this for the next manager whoever it was going to be. Frankly. Mm-hmm. Like you know, like they, they've just been ready and but but you know, we'll we'll see how it, how it pans out and sometimes Sometimes the effect of a manager can be difficult to gauge in terms of how many wins, how many losses. He's had some rough moments, though, like not knowing the rules and mm-hmm. things like that. And, the, the, and those kind of things, They, they really, it makes it difficult to have the respect and the admiration of the fans when you have some, some really open moments like that when you're obviously, when you're obviously messing up. But that's a manager's job is to wear that, though. Like, like they, they just got to. When you, I'm interested in when you're talking about takes a special kind of confidence. Tony has that. He's got that special yeah. confidence <laughs> that, that, for sure. He doesn't care what I say. Doesn't care what the fans no. say. Pro- probably doesn't care what some of the fa- the players say either.
3: No, man. And look, it's like I said. You know, you're brought in to win championships, and I I did see some of the uh, the stuff with the rules. I, 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 full disclosure, don't watch every White Sox game, so yeah, I, I wasn't familiar. Wasn't familiar with exactly what happened, but yeah, that's, not know, what, that's, not
4: why, that's that's not why we brought you on to talk about rules in every White Sox game. Look, yeah. I got more I got more stuff to get to with you, Ryan Terrio. Um, the LSU baseball's ridiculous. I don't know if people realize and I know you're down there and you talk about it and you're steeped in the program and sure some Cub fans remember you and Fontano being teammates there, right? And and and, yeah. and 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 teammates with the Cubs, but Yeah, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, just just recently even still, DJ LeMayhew and, and Kevin Gaussman, who's pitching like crazy right now, and Austin Nola and Aaron Nola. We just saw Jacoby Jones the other day score a winning run for the for the Tigers, I mean, like at, at everywhere and you look, Alex Bregman, at, yeah, Alex Alex Bregman is a pretty good player. Mikey Matuk, I'm like, I could just look at this um Brian Wilson, the uh the eccentric closer for the Giants. I mean, there's just there's just so many, and then you know, so like, what 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 is it? It's it's what has been created down there that keeps
3: working? Yeah, you know, it's uh it's uh, well. I, I have my theory. I think the uniforms are sexy, so people want to come play <laughs> in Baton Rouge. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's funny you ask. It's actually they're they're doing a uh, ES, uh, SEC story is do has done a documentary on Skip Bertman. Um, we filmed it a few uh, about a year ago, I guess. On the uh, grand uh, world premieres tonight, and I think it airs next week on SEC Network and um, the the answer to your question you'll see whenever you watch the SEC story um, you know it, it was um, a winning way was created you know in the early to mid 80s in Baton Rouge and baseball was not a significant sport down here it was Dale Brown and Shaq and the basketball team and it was it was the football team and then when Skip got here uh, you know he, he created that winning culture it was a it was a team, uh, you know, above the individual. It was the goal was winning in Omaha every year. Um, it wasn't about how good the individual was. It was about about winning, and if you win, everybody would would have success. And you know, it took some years to kind of get that going. And and uh, you know, Skip created something that Coach Paul Maneri has kind of uh, continued. He's done a wonderful job, uh, you know, down here in Baton Rouge, continuing to pump out a lot of the guys you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. um you know and so so it, it's man it, it's just it's about winning period about winning ball games um the coaches are good the, the facilities are nice uh the fan base I, I tell you this place sells out you know box stadium down here in baton rouge it's it's you know you're getting you get to sell out every day i mean they leave the country in attendance every year and so it takes a little bit of everything i think support from the fans i think um you know, obviously, you have to have good players, but but, but uh, kind of all those things together to, to create that winning culture.
4: Albert Bell and Todd Walker, Paul Bird. I mean, I could I just keep Brad Hop. Uh, my God, I could I could just I could just keep going going. And I remember, man, I was in high school when Ben McDonald was supposed to be the next great pitcher uh, in MLB. Yeah. And it just it didn't didn't quite happen for Big Ben. Um, but, uh, I, I, I Ryan, I wonder now what you feel is the right side of the rivalry between the Cubs and the Cardinals, having played on both and, <laughs> <laughs> and taken and take some heat for your thoughts in 2011 when you said, finally, yeah. I'm on the right side of the rivalry. Now, can we say definitively what the right side of the rivalry is
3: at this point? Well, let me say, yeah, let me say this first. I mean, you know the <laughs> um the Chicago Cubs drafted me, they gave me an opportunity um my time in chicago was was absolutely amazing, you know, my plan was to finish my career there, you know, I was trying to buy a house and yeah. and um you know, wanted to raise my family there and 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 had that worked out, I'd probably still be in Chicago, you know, but it it wasn't in the cards and um no pun intended it wasn't in the cards for me yeah. to, to finish my career there and 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 it's a it's a business you know um you know when you get moved and treated it sucks the uh the Cardinals were paying me my salary at the time that question was asked so you you know, what are you what what, are you, what do you want me to say you know yeah. um, oh, th- man, there, yeah. but there's but 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 look I'll say this to to win one in Chicago I, was something that was talked about and I wanted to do you know so so bad man we 07 and 08 you know we were really good and and had an opportunity um you know and 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 so it it just it just didn't quite work out that we were able to to get it done both of the organizations are are steeped in tradition and and near and dear to my heart but those pinstripes man the two the, the tuesday day games at 120 when the place is sold out the (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, wa- wa- walking walking over to to get a burger at Brownstone, and you know, th- there's just so many wonderful memories from that place. Um, you know that that I you know I, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, you know, I'll forever be grateful to to the Cubs, the organization, Jim Hendry, um, that drafted me, and and uh, it was it was just a great time in my career. And, and uh, you know, fortunately for me, you know. I was able to get on some teams there at the end that, that were winners, you know. But even if I wouldn't have, man, that time in Chicago would have still been so special. That's uh, that,
4: that's awesome, and and of course, of course, we understand looking back and people getting older and getting a little more mature. You think uh, you think if I ended up at a different radio station, I wouldn't have uh, you know salty things to say about this radio station eventually, Ryan? Oh, uh, it's like,
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> And look, yeah. it's not necessarily salty. I mean, look, man, it, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm playing for the, I'm playing for the Cardinals now. What do you want me to say? <laughs> like, how would I've been, how, how, how been received at Bush if I'd have said, "No, nah, man, I wish I was playing with the Cubs now." <laughs> you you yeah, know, right. like, I'll, I'll yeah. take, a, I'll take some booze for a little while in, in Wrigley because I got to play eighty games. I got to play eighty games at Bush, you know. And, yeah. and, and, and the truth yeah. is, both both of them are.
2: Both of them were great,
3: you know. And if you ask Jim Edmonds, who was able to play for both teams, you know, I'm sure he'll say the same thing. And I mean, it, it it's just special, special on both sides. Really cool to be able to play for both of those organizations.
4: Yeah, man. And, and looking back, I mean, to, to say that you played for both of them and you understand the rivalry very well is, uh, is, is 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 a pretty special thing. All right. So before we let you go, let your mind wander. Just give me one, give me one cool memory. Something that comes in of a ball game at Wrigley, uh, a game that you loved playing in, or like. Uh, a, a, a a hit that you loved or just a day that like when you're thinking and maybe in you know thirty years when your old man sipping lemonade on a porch down there in Baton Rouge you'll think, man, remember that day at Wrigley?
3: Um Wow. Uh you know, I had a game I had a game where I hit a couple of homers. I didn't hit a whole lot of homers, obviously, but I had a game where I hit two. Uh I think it was against... San Diego. Chris Young was pitching. Um, that was a pretty cool. That was a pretty cool day to be able to do that. There was a string where I had a couple walk off hits in a row and a couple games in a row. Um, you know, obviously singles the other way because that's all I could do. So that was fun. Um, uh, you, you know, the first the first couple years, man, I'll tell you. Uh, the, my first year, I had a, I had a place downtown. Um, just rented an apartment and, and I would take the L to the game. And, and, you know, I can remember just putting my headphones on, taking in the city, taking in the sights. you know, for the first time, you know, noticing different things every day that I hadn't seen before. Um, you know, really just, just, just being one with the city. You know, I had a, had a great game my rookie year. I can't or my second year. Maybe I can't remember how many hits I had, but I was going to dinner. We were walking down downtown, my wife and I, and I'm, the TV on one of the bars and on the bottom line, it had my name. And I think I was three for four or four for four. And I'm, you know, it, it just kind of hits home at that point that you're in the major leagues and you've made it, you know, and, in the city of Chicago and the, and the Cubs, but really the fans of Chicago just embraced me so much, you know, shout out to Dave Kaplan who had me on his radio show uh, once a week. And Cap and I are still really good buddies, but um, there was so much that that city did, man. He asked for one single memory. I, you know, I couldn't give you one. I, I can just—they just keep popping into my mind. Um, I'd great. love to say winning the World Series and being stuck at Wrigley because there's no parking lot and you couldn't leave. You know, that's what Dempster and I used to always joke about. It's like when we win this thing at home, we're not going—we're going to have to sleep here because the fans aren't going to leave. You know, I mean, it's—you uh, know—but it didn't work out. But man, I tell you, it was. uh yeah, it was amazing. What a what a what a wonderful city, man! What a great baseball town. And and look, let me say this too, man. I I think if 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 Tony is able to be Tony, and I don't know if he's going to be able to be Tony, truthfully, just because the game has changed. But but if Tony is able to be Tony, the, the White Sox are going to win. I mean, I, I feel I feel pretty certain of that. I mean, that's a really good team, and he knows how to win championships.
4: Yeah, man. Hey, Ryan, thank you. This is uh, this has been a pleasure. Appreciate it. And I love I love that 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 image of you with the uh, the headphones on just kind of looking in the city um, and, and realizing it's yours. And uh, a lot of folks still love you here. That's for damn sure. So thanks. We'll do it again. Yeah, sometime.
3: I Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate the time. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. That's
4: Ryan Terrio. All, right, All right. Ryan Terrio right here on six seventy. The score. Kid from Baton Rouge gets to come up to, uh, to the big city and make his MLB life here. Good stuff. All right. Carlos Pena at 11 o'clock. We'll uh, get inside the Cardinals for both the Cubs fans and the Sox fans at about 1040 with Joe Roderick as well. Your calls and texts are welcome at 312 644 6767.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: And the 1-2. Bryant drives one in the air to right center field. Might be a gapper. That ball is going to be back... Bouncing off the wall in deep right center field. Peterson racing around third, heading home. He will score. And the Cubs lead 4-2. to two. A long double to the opposite alley in right center by Chris Bryant. And the pitch on the way. Fastball swing and a face hit to left field. Cubs take the lead. Sharp one hopper between third and short. The Cubs are on the board as Peterson comes in to score. Rizzo stops at second. RBI number 30 for Javier Baez.
4: That was the great Pat Hughes, who you'll hear tonight, Cubs and Cardinals tonight, and the score is broadcast, begins... Later on, what time is our pregame there, Sean Anderson? About 5.30 or so. 5.30 indeed. Nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. Coming up after me on the score, it's Mark Grody from 12 until 3. Rami Makloff from 3 until 5.30. And then Cubs pregame starts at 5.30. Been a very, very interesting uh, time here. Um, for, the, uh, for baseball this weekend, really cool, high-profile series. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, um, national broadcasts, or at least alternate broadcasts. It, it was, it was, I was surprised that MLB Network was giving me the Yankees broadcast during the day yesterday. So I split my time and spent a lot of time with David Cohn and Paul O'Neill and Michael Kay. By the way, why can't Michael Kay pronounce Nick Madrigal's uh, name? How would you say Nick Madrigal's last name? Madrigal, right? Is that how you guys would say it? That's how I would say it. Madrigal. Madrigal from Michael K. No, has anybody ever spelled something madrigal and said madrigal? I was in madrigals in high school, which is a group of people singing. Madrigal is a kind of uh, uh, older singing form. Like a madrigal is a specific kind of uh, choral construction and so they would name singers that so every time i I look at nick madrigal I, i think about the hallelujah chorus having sung that in madrigals in high school when i was a high tenor um hey do you know how many by the way sean do you know how many balls are in a barbershop quartet no um do the math in your mind barbershop quartet so it's four guys eight uh no 16 one's a tenor (laughs) thank you i don't get it (laughs) you don't get it come on i don't know
0: what a tenor means what does that mean
4: oh you don't get it you really don't get it
1: no i'm not a a singer
4: oh man a tenor is a kind of voice soprano tenor baritone bass
0: soprano's a great show
4: contralto uh mezzo soprano castrato if you're feeling sassy so yeah you need to know what a tenor is damn it over the head of my producers That'll teach me for working a joke in. But anyway, um, yeah, so Madrigal. No, no, no. Password on to Michael K. It's Madrigal. Uh, Ken Rosenthal of the Fox team gets a chance to weigh in on the air yesterday uh, about the Cubs and their impending free agents and what may or may not happen as the trade deadline approaches. Listen to Kenny. Kenny, what are your thoughts
1: on uh, what's to come for Chicago? Well... It might not depend just on the standings, even if the Cubs are in it in July, but only in it in kind of a fringy way, they might decide to make some moves. They are not necessarily gonna say, okay, we're in the race, we're gonna keep all these guys. They have more than a dozen free agents. Now, Rizzo, we just were talking about him, is a really interesting case. The negotiations in spring training did not go well, Cubs offered him five years, 70 million that's barely more than half of what the Cardinals gave Paul Goldschmidt, and that was a pre COVID deal. But they're kind of similar, at least in terms of age. Goldschmidt, obviously the better hitter. But Joe, you said it Anthony Rizzo is a mainstay of this organization. He's a guy that won the Roberto Clemente Award in 2017 for his community service. He is. Everything to the Cubs. So it's difficult to imagine him going away. There's a thought that Baez also is likely to sign an extension. The big question is going to be Bryant and possibly Craig Kimbrell.
4: Uh, so very, very interesting. Bryant and Kimbrell are the ones that he talked about. Everybody expects Bryant to be traded. Who, man, I hope not. <laughs> I, I really do. J- just got to tell you, just from 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 watching from being here along for his entire reveal and career and the struggles and now the evolution and the changes that he and his dad made and the cage and the offseason, my God, and the flexibility. There's a moment yesterday where when Sosa triples before he comes in for the game-tying run against Alzai. Could have been a better relay. Mark Potash pointing this out to me on Twitter, and he's not wrong. Could have been a, a more aggressive, better relay from Chris Bryant and right field, possibly. I want to go back and look on it again. But I was re- replying to Potzi, who is a delightful curmudgeon, replying to Potsy that that Bryant is a very solid and useful right fielder. He's not a great right fielder. He's not like having Jason Hayward out there or having Larry Walker out there. Oh, speaking of Larry Walker. We'll get to that in a second. But, you know, he's not that guy. So, no, he's not as, as wonderfully and beautifully aggressive and on point as you might like an elite right fielder to be. But the fact that you can play him there and feel pretty good about it is amazing, as well as center and left and third and first. Is his most recent start at third base still on the 20th of April? I think that's still true. Since then, it's been Matt Duffy and David Bodie. I think Nico Horner as a start there. They have thrown Chris Bryant everywhere else as needed. Remarkable in addition to the offense. So I, I hope they don't trade him. I you know, here's my dream scenario. Okay. My dream scenario is that they're in contention enough that they keep the guys that they want to keep. Maybe they make one big trade. Maybe it's bias, okay? But they keep Brian, they keep Rizzo, and they re-sign those guys. So they keep them, and they battle in contention, and then they also re-sign those guys because they're a big market team, and they realize the money's coming back, and they decide they want to keep a couple of uh, those uh, those pillars to bridge the gap between this past team and the next team that, in Jed Hoyer's words, has the bones of a championship team and can be added to. That's pie in the sky. But the, the two that I'd like to keep are Bryant and Rizzo, if I had to prioritize. So maybe Contreras and Baez get dealt. Contreras, not a free agent until next year, doesn't have to. Will Kimbrell get dealt? Uh, it's hard to be in contention if you're trading your closer. But we'll see. Like, I, I'm imagining a, you know, a thread-the-needle kind of trade deadline, whereas Rosenthal's talking about it. It's not like they're going to unload everybody. They might keep some people. So we'll have to see. It's going to be a fascinating trade deadline to watch out. All right, before we take a break and bring in Joe Roderick, I mentioned Larry Walker just in passing because today is the anniversary of one of my favorite, favorite players having a, uh, a delightfully horrific moment that he was able to laugh at, thankfully, right away. On this day, and it's the Sunday night baseball crew of John Miller and Joe Morgan on the call.
2: Piazza in the end of right field. Harry Walker in foul
1: territory. Now Offerman tagged up on that play.
2: And Walker doesn't know how many outs there were. He gave it. Offerman will go back to third. Well, wait a minute. This is something I don't understand. I think Walker gave the ball to a fan. He thought that was the third out. Yeah, but how can they... I don't understand how... Well, I guess it's like a throw into the seats. Okay, I guess that's what they're saying. It's like a throw into the seats. You get two bases. Even though he didn't throw
1: it in, he gave it to someone. I'm surprised surprised Walker remembered to show up tonight. (laughs) You get two bases beyond the base you already have. Right. See, he gives
2: it to that kid. Yeah. Yeah. Here's the funny part. He goes back to get it, though. That's what's funny. What if the kid doesn't give it to him?
1: Right now, at this point, Offerman is still
2: on the way to second base, which means he only gets third. Now watch, Uh, so he goes uh, back uh, to get the ball. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Maury. Yeah.
1: It's often said that you see something new all the time in the ballpark. Have you ever seen that?
0: Well, I haven't, but maybe (laughs) no, nothing like that,
4: John. Oh, man, that's awesome. That's, uh, That's Maury Wills sitting in at Dodger Stadium, along with uh, Joe Morgan and... Juan John Uribe. Ah, uh, yes. H- how fun does Joe Morgan sound right there? Got a, got a terrible, terrible rap and was annoying to a lot of the sabermetrically inclined, and I understand, and he got very condescending, and he used to condescend against Ryan Sandberg and others, and I know there was a lot of, a lot of unlikable moments in the broadcast career of Joe Morgan, but right there... Oh, I loved him. That sounded so fun and relaxed and jovial, and it mixed with John Miller to make what, for a long time, was a very entertaining Sunday night broadcast. It's Matt Spiegel here on Hit and Run on 670 The Score. Carlos Payne at the top of the hour. Let's get to know these Cardinals a little better for both you, the Cub fan, and the White Sox fan, next on The Score.
1: The pitch to Molina, drilled down the line and left, hooking, and this ball is going to stay fair. And it's a home run right down the line for Yadier Molina. And St. Louis has taken a 2-1 lead.
4: Yadier Molina is still really good. He's old. He may fade off into the sunset any offseason now. But he can still frame like butter. The glove is soft. The arm is fluid. And he's got an OPS over 800, a lot of pop, and a big homer yesterday to put the Cardinals ahead, a lead they would keep. Let's talk about these Cardinals. Who are we looking at? What are we dealing with here? Cubs fans and White Sox fans, you get them as well. We'll talk to Joe Roderick, longtime St. Louis media man, podcaster, radio guy, aspiring influencer. So the uh, so so the Twitter bio says. Any luck with that? How's the how's the influencing going, Joe?
2: You know what? Right now, I'm trying really hard to get a lot of people to go to this donut shop down here in St. Louis, and it's starting to work. I uh, I think that is the. Uh That's been the the start. That's the that that's been the uh, the opening. I have is getting people to go to this certain donut shop down in St. Louis every weekend.
4: All right, but you know what? You're never going to be a high quality influencer if you blow the opportunity I just gave you to mention the donut shop. I mean, I know we're on Chicago. we're on Chicago, (laughs) but some people listen. Joe, come on! If you're aspiring, give it a mention. Go ahead, quick. Go
3: ahead.
2: Strange, strange donuts. It's strange donuts all over St. Louis. If you're if you're going down there for a Cubs Cardinal series, hit it up.
4: Okay, there you go. Now now that's done. <laughs> that's that that's the only reason we called. Um but uh yeah, uh, d- tell us about this team. It seems they have uh, figured some things out offensively, but it's it it's a, it's kind of a thin lineup right now. Isn't it, Joe Roderick? It feels like it.
2: it. Oh, it absolutely is. And and it still seems like they're missing something there, but I don't know where you replace it right now because it's, and it's for the past few years and it's happened with so many outfielders before you're waiting for that big time power bat in the outfield to show up and before it was with Randall Gritschick or Stephen Piscotty and now it's Tyler O'Neal that you're waiting for this you know this guy that can step in and be that fifth guy in the order that middle of the lineup guy and now the injuries are starting to kick in Tyler O'Neal's been on the DL twice this uh, this year already Harrison Bader started the season missed the entire first month on, on the injured list, and now we we were going to wait and see what happens with Dylan Carlson with him being pulled out of the lineup last night. So you're you're trying to find all of these pieces to fit in there, but it's it's still nice when you have Goldschmidt and Arenado there, three, four in the lineup.
4: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And are are you as impressed with Arenado as we have been from afar? Now that you get to watch him every day,
2: it's it's amazing to, to see some of the stuff that he does. Game in and game out. Well, Friday night, the double play that he turned, but then he turns around and has the two errors in the game. And you're just kind of wondering where that comes from. But the home runs have been really surprising because when Arenado was on the trade block, when you knew Colorado was thinking about getting rid of him, and like it is for every Rockies player, you wonder if he's going to be able to hit outside of Denver And I think right now the highest elevation he's hit a home run in this year has been in Pittsburgh, which is a 750-feet elevation. So he's homering in all of these road parks. He's homering at Bush Stadium. So he's shown that the power can travel places outside of Denver. And and the defense, I mean, it's exactly what we expect it to be.
4: Yeah, I I just the defense is is beautiful. And he had a moment yesterday. It turned a double play, like a 5-3 double play, just very comfortably strolling over to third. And, and making that cross-the-body throw uh, like he does. Um, what are we seeing in, from the rotation now that Martinez is back and Miles uh is back? But we'll have to see what happens with him as he got pulled out yesterday. Um, who has been good other than Flaherty?
2: I'm, well, I'm really worried about the Michaelis injury just because he was out. That, that was the first game he pitched since the 2019 NLCS yesterday and it was all right forearm injuries and then he comes out with it after such an extensive rehab so it's worrisome and I, i i know he has a deal through 2023 with the cardinals but i wonder if when we'll see him throw a pitch for them again but they they're deep in in that rotation you have kk the the pitcher from korea on in that rotation adam wainwright it's still good. I know last year when, when I was on with you, we talked about this resurgence of Adam Wainwright and where it's coming from. And he's slipped up a little bit this year. His last, his start last Sunday in San Diego wasn't the greatest, and he admitted to that as as well. But then he still has these flashes of brilliance where he comes out, these big-time games that he has, where I think it was Mother's Day. You know, it's just these big moment games that he has where he and Yachty have that battery, that combo, where they just shine and they'll go out and he'll throw eight, nine innings of of just absolutely amazing baseball. And that's kind of what I'm hoping we get out of him tonight in, in the game. It's a Sunday night game. It's Cubs Cardinals. There's 28,000 fans at the stadium. I'm hoping that Wainwright continues to be that, that number two starter, but outside of that outfield i I do think that this is a team that's going to go out at the trade deadline and maybe bring in another starter. Hopefully that, top of the rotation guy, not somebody just to fill in a gap.
4: I'm glad you mentioned the 28,000. That thing, that place has felt loud and vibrant from afar these past two days. I don't know if you've had a chance to get there to either of these games, Joe. But like I was you there played, Friday, yeah. You, you were there Friday. Oh, that's a really, yeah. really, really good game until... The Cubs uh, pulled away, but that was even better for, for us up here. But um, wh- what, did it, what did it feel like in there? Kyle Hendricks said it, 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 that it felt as close to normal as any ball game that he's been a part of yet.
2: It was, oh, God, it was great. And even I, I was at a game earlier this year when it was 14,000, and that was weird just to see so many empty seats there. And still yesterday, to be at a, or Friday, to be at a Cubs-Cardinal game and to look around on a Friday night and see so many empty seats it's still odd to see, but the crowd was so loud, and to also too to hear how loud the Cubs fans were. Uh, Jock Peterson home to open the game, it was so loud. So it was, it's cool to see that with tickets going on sale when they have, and the opening up of the stadium when it's happened, to see that the Cubs fans are still traveling, and that's really turning this back in, or I guess reopening the rivalry that we've missed out on the last year and a half.
4: Yeah, man, I, 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 absolutely. Um, all right, so, so the White Sox get the Cardinals this coming weekend, including Jack Flaherty on Tuesday night. What um, w- has what is, what is he looked like, and, and is he as fun as, as he seems? I mean, Lucas Giolito is thoughtful and smart and can be entertaining, and trying to get a read on Flaherty's personality, who seems, seems fun but also kind of has an edge to him a little bit.
2: He does. And the the cool thing about Jack Flaherty is he doesn't give a crap about what anybody thinks about him. He's been very, he's been big on the social justice, social injustice issues. He's very outspoken about a lot of that. And he's also very intelligent. He's very smart when it comes to pitching. Bob Gibson took him under his wing when he was called up and when he was first called up to the Cardinals a few years ago, and their relationship was, it, they had such a good relationship. And it just so happened when Bob Gibson passed away last year, it was on game three of, the, uh, of that opening round of the playoffs last year that Jack Flaherty was the starting pitcher of. And it almost seems as if that, that hit Jack Flaherty kind of hard and that it, I mean, it meant so much, that relationship meant so much to him over the past few years that this year is almost a tribute to Bob Gibson. Uh, you know, going 8-0 to start the year, that's the first pitcher in Cardinal history to do that since Bob Gibson did it. And one of the biggest things that he's improved on this year is the, the first pitch strikes and getting ahead in the count. That's something that he fell behind on last year. And if you go back and you look at his 2020 stats, they weren't that great. I mean, He ended up being, you know, he was third in the rotation when they got to the postseason last year because he was the team's third best pitcher last year. And a lot of that I think was developmental over the season and not being able to have a normal offseason, not being able to work at a normal rate. There was the story last year when the team was stuck in the hotel in Milwaukee, that he put a bed up against the wall and had to throw baseballs at a bed across a hotel room to try to stay loose. And I just don't think that we saw the real Jack Flaherty last year. And I think we're finally starting to see that this year. And on top of that, it is the anti-Jacob Degrom. When when Jack Flaherty's on the mound, the Cardinals score runs.
4: <laughs> yeah, that'll help get you those eight wins. That's yeah. for sure. Uh, Joe, thank you, man. Pleasure. I always love talking to you. Enjoy yourself.
2: Absolutely, speaks.
4: Okay, man. Uh, Joe Roderick is. Uh, I think he's coming up here for for um, for Cardinals and and White Sox, which ought to be a lot of fun. Flaherty and Giolito on Tuesday. Yeah, I had heard about Flaherty and Gibson. It's pretty neat. Um, and Gibson had offered some advice, shared some pitch grips with Flaherty and with uh, Luke Weaver, another young pitcher, no longer with the Cardinals. Um, but it, and, and also just talk to Flaherty about being aggressive, just go and go and go. And nobody was more aggressive, going as hard as he possibly could at all times like Bob Gibson. And Flaherty is that. And that's also the way that people do it now. Hundred percenters out there on the mound all the time. Um, We'll ask Carlos Pena about that. One of my favorite former ballplayers to talk to about hitting and the game and more Carlos Pena of marquee and MLB network. will join us next right here on hit and run on the score.
0: We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof?